Welcome in everybody to the flagship podcast. We are in the first week of 2021. I am Chip Brown, joined as always by our fearless leader, managing editor of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? Chip, I am doing all right. I'm, you know, at least we made it out of 2020 and now Texas entering this year has a new coach and other coaches, it sounds like coming to the staff. So there's something that we get to talk about right now when uh, Texas isn't playing football. So that's always good for us. How are you doing? Oh, it's been a wild and woolly first week of the new year. And we are, we are working the phones like uh, time life operators and <laughs> doing everything we can to, to keep everyone updated on what's going on at Horns 24-7. I think we even have a, a 50% off annual membership opportunity right now with the, with the coaching change, the move from Tom Herman to Steve Sarkeesian. So I think, again, everybody get over to Horns 24-7. That's where you heard it first about uh, Tom Herman being let go and uh, Steve Sarkeesian being the man to replace him. So don't, uh, don't waste your time or our efforts anywhere else. Just <laughs> get it to, get that annual membership to horns 24 seven and, and stay in the know as Steve Sarkeesian puts his staff together. Yeah. And Taylor, we're recording on Tuesday, uh, January 5th and Texas, um, basketball has a has a game tonight against Iowa State we'll get into that those poor guys they're number four in the country and got completely overshadowed uh in their 84-59 win over Kansas on Saturday at it's the worst beating the Jayhawks uh have suffered at Fog Allen the 65-year history of of Fog Allen Fieldhouse and those guys got completely overshadowed by by Tom Herman's dismissal and Steve Sarkeesian's hiring. We'll, we'll get into that. And uh, Shaka Smart, you know, getting this thing going, the number four team in the nation and a confident basketball team, fun to watch. And, uh, and so we want to make sure that, that those guys get their due. And of course, the Texas women 2-0 in Big 12 play as well with their win over Iowa State on Sunday. Vic Schaefer's team getting it done they're uh, the rank number 19 right now. So um, Taylor, obviously the big news is Steve Sarkeesian. We've had a chance to hear from him. We've had a chance. Um, I mean, Texas players have had a, a team meeting to, to talk about Steve Sarkeesian and, and how they need to stay focused and keep working out. And while Sarkeesian's coaching Alabama in the national championship game, on January 11th, uh, players are trying to, to do the right thing because I think they're excited about this uh, opportunity under Steve Sarkeesian to, to take the program um, to new places. And, and that's where I, I think we probably start. You know, um, What did you think of the reaction of the players to the dismissal of Tom Herman and then ultimately the the hiring of Steve Sarkeesian. You know, I think it was definitely a lot different than the reaction of the players when Charlie Strong was fired and replaced by Tom Herman. Um, you know, I think that there was a lot of well wishes, you know, sent out and a lot of players who owe a lot to Tom Herman and the staff and the coaches 
plus, you know, the personnel staff, all of them um, during his time at Texas, because, you know, they're around them day in and day out. However, as we've been pretty um, open here talking about the situation at Tom Herman at Texas, you know, he uh, never was really the player's coach. So uh, you didn't really get the emotional what the heck is going on type of reaction from players. And I think that is you know, that's okay, though. Um, I think that shows that the players are buying bought into the program more so than to the head coach. And that's kind of what you want, you know, that you want players that want to play for the university so that they don't enter the transfer portal, especially in this day and age when it's so easy for players to leave and go, you know, now be immediately eligible to play elsewhere right now. So at least on the one-time transfer rule. So, you know, I think that that should be a good sign for Texas fans to see that the players, you know, sent off good wishes. They weren't talking bad about Herman. They weren't, you know, over emotional, I think. And they're truly bought into the being at Texas. So I think that's a positive. What about you? Yeah. Um, it, uh, you know, I, I thought the strongest reaction we saw was from the defensive players who were um, lobbying on behalf of Chris Ash mm -hmm. to remain the defensive coordinator at Texas um, but you didn't, you didn't, you didn't hear players outraged about Tom Herman being let go. And this is a guy who went seven and three this season, um, who went through a lot with this, you know, the pandemic, the social justice stuff involving the eyes of Texas. And, and then the team progressed, got better as the, the year went on, went seven and three you thought maybe you'd hear players saying, this is ridiculous. This is an outrage. We went seven and three in a pandemic, but we really didn't hear that. And, and so I, I, that's just something to keep in mind because as we talk about Texas's decision to move away from Tom Herman, I was told that, you know, by a high ranking university source, that they lost faith in Tom Herman, the leader, more than they lost faith in Tom Herman, the coach. And so they, they talked to people connected to the program. They talked to players. And I think ultimately they decided to move away from Tom Herman after Chris Del Conte's statement reiterating Herman as coach before signing day in December because they learned that there's a lack of faith in Tom Herman as a leader of young men. And, and that's, that's powerful. Yeah. That's a, it's a strong indictment on Tom Herman. And now I don't think they're going to try to get out of paying his $15 million buyout. I think they're going to end up paying that. And, and so it's not like they're going to fire him for cause or try to settle. I think they're going to pay the buyout, but that, that's there was something that developed that changed over the final two and a half weeks since that statement came out from Del Conte that caused Texas to make a $25 million decision to let go of Tom Herman and bring in Steve Sarkeesian. And, and that's a, that's a lot because I think if you'd have poured truth sermon and Chris Del Conte, when he put out that statement before signing day, at that particular time, I think 
he probably thought he was bringing Tom Herman back as coach right? Uh, after the Urban Meyer flirtation fizzled. But there was more evaluation that was done. There was more information that came forward or that they learned that um, Jay Hartzell, Kevin Eltife, the region's chairman, Jay Hartzell, the president at Texas, Chris Del Conte, they decided, nope, we we have to move on from Tom Herman. So this is, this is where we are. And now we, you know, we wait to see what Steve Sarkeesian's going to do in terms of a staff We're we're getting some, some bits and pieces. Uh, today you reported that Blake Gideon, uh, the former safety at Texas, who's been a rising star special teams coordinator in college football, uh, having worked at Houston and and now most recently at Ole Miss, he's you know getting strong consideration uh, as a member of Steve Sarkeesian's staff. So that uh, that's exciting, and and we're waiting to to hear who his defensive coordinator is. And I think that's the obviously the make or break hire for, as I always say, an offensive minded head coach is going to be made or broken by his defensive coordinator and. He could do a whole lot worse than Chris Ash. I mean, I, I think Chris Ash deserves strong consideration uh, to remain as the defensive coordinator at Texas. And I think, I think Sarkeesian's giving it consideration. Yeah. I mean, the one thing, Chip, and I'm curious for your input about this. So, you know, I totally agree. I think that Chris Ash's defense got substantially better. Um, you know, we talked you know, in depth um, throughout the football season that I think what we started seeing towards midseason, towards the end of the season for the Texas defense was what a lot of people expected to see from the jump because of the amount of experience that was returning to the, the um, you know, the unit and everything like that. However, even though, you know, I think that Chris Ash absolutely deserves consideration, I think it's also really important for head coaches to make their own coordinator hires. And, um, you know, whether I know that this is not Steve Sarkeesian's, you know, first head coaching job, but it is his first back in the position since he left USC, um, you know, several years ago now. So I'm I'm kind of curious your take about how how much of a risk would you say it is to, you know, keep a coordinator type of position from a former coaching staff that wasn't, you know, the one that you hand selected? Well, I think. um any coach worth his salt is going to be all about the, you know, the, the best possible product he can put on the, on the field. And I think Chris Ash can make the argument to Steve Sarkeesian that, Hey, um, I've been through the big 12. Now I know what to expect. Uh, I know our personnel really well. And, and here's my defensive philosophy how does it line up with, with yours? Mm-hmm. Because really as the head coach, you have to decide, are you, are you absolutely committed to running a, a three man front or a, you know, a three, three stack, or are you absolutely committed to a four man line? Um, if, if you're absolutely committed to that one, you know, style of defense over another, then you're going to have your own guy and in your own, you know, you're, you're going to, and if, if, you know, Chris Ash obviously runs a four man front, 
Um, so if Steve Sarkeesian doesn't buy into that, then he's going to have to go and, and, and figure that out. But I think after some conversation between those two, you, you know, you can make a successful argument if you're Chris Ash to say, Hey, here's, here's what we were able to do. Here's what we've got going. And, and it's not, it's not the end of the world to me. If, if Steve Sarkeesian ends up keeping, um, Chris Ash, cause the guy did coordinate a national championship defense under urban Meyer at Ohio state in 2014 and, and then produced an even better defense in 2015, mm-hmm. the, the following year, uh, before he went off to become the head coach at Rutgers. So, uh, it would not be the end of the world to me if, um, if Steve Sarkeesian ended up keeping Chris Ash as the defensive coordinator yeah. and then it'll be interesting to see, does he, you know, bring in his own defensive line coach or, or linebackers coach, or, um, you know, where does Blake Gideon fit in? Does he just do special teams or does he coach safeties, the position he played? I mean, Chris Ash coaches safety. So it's a, it'd be an interesting fit for, uh, for Steve Sarkeesian. I think that's, and then everyone wants to know who are going to be the recruiters uh, because I think there was a lot of excitement about Jeff Banks, the uh, tight ends coach and special teams coordinator at Alabama. If, if Sarkeesian could bring Jeff Banks away from Alabama, um, Banks had been at A&M uh, for five years, very successful as a recruiter there and has spent the last three years at Alabama, a really talented recruiter, really talented um, special teams coordinator. Right. And it sounds like it's going to be really difficult to get him away from Nick Saban. So um, you're not going to get everybody that you want. And, and so, you know, we wait to see what this staff looks like. Yeah. Jeff Banks would be a home run hire, in my opinion, you know, to be the special teams coordinator at Texas because of not only just how well he's done, you know, um, as special teams in Alabama, but his, you know, his recruiting prowess in the state of Texas speaks for itself. I mean, my goodness, he's the primary recruiter for Jalen Milrow, the former Texas commit that flipped his commitment and signed with Alabama. You know, I mean, you go through, if you head over to 24 seven sports and search Jeff Banks and go through his all-time commits. I mean, the list is very, very impressive from, you know, Jalen Milrow to Kyle Allen to uh, Christian Kirk. I mean, literally the list goes on and on. And um, his, you know, I think more of his specialty probably is in the state of Texas, but he has been able to show that he's been able to, you know, recruit all over the country. And, um, but I definitely think that's not, that's probably a coach that Nick Saban would be willing to fight to keep more so than, you know, willingly just be like, okay, thanks so much for your help. See you, buddy. You know, I mean, that's, that's, he's that type of level of recruiter, I think. And I think that's his biggest, you know, the biggest impact that he would bring if Steve Sarkeesian was able to get in there from what I've been told. It sounds like the job is his if Banks wants it. Um, You know, they will find a position for him on the staff. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at the reason why the you know, we've, you know, as we reported today, the Blake Gideon hire, he's a special teams coordinator. That's his kind of forte um, ever since he's gotten to the D1 level. And he, that's his position currently at Ole Miss. You know, I think it 
we haven't been able to really nail down the exact role that Blake Gideon would have, even though he's under very, very serious, strong consideration as of Tuesday evening. Um, I think a lot of that may have to do with the fact that I'm not sure Jeff Banks have necessarily turned down the opportunity yet. So I think there's maybe leaving the you know crack in the door being open a little bit for that reason. Yeah. Um, Kyle Flood, the offensive line coach at Alabama, um, a likely <clears throat> candidate, likely choice of Steve Sarkeesian to come as offensive line coach and offensive coordinator at Texas. Now, make no mistake, Steve Sarkeesian's going to call the place, mm-hmm. and he'll probably bring A.J. Milwe, his analyst at Alabama, to be the quarterback's coach and basically serve as Sarkeesian's guy running practice whenever he's having to do head coaching stuff um, or anytime, you know, a meeting needs to be run without him there or whatever. AJ Milwee would be his representative at all times uh, in the quarterback room and, and uh, helping to, to run things offensively. Um, and then Stan Drayton, we reported almost immediately that Stan Drayton was going to be a candidate to stay as running backs coach. And he is staying as running backs coach, unless he gets some NFL opportunity, uh, Stan Drayton's telling players that he plans to, to stay on as running backs coach. And that's, that's good news for Texas because Stan Drayton, uh, played a huge role in recruiting Bijan Robinson. Rashawn Johnson has a strong connection with with Stan Drayton, and of course, Stan Drayton's been the point man on the recruitment of L.J. Johnson, uh, the highly recruited running back in the 2021 class, who's about to decide where he's going to enroll, either at Texas or Texas A&M. And I think Stan Drayton remaining as the running backs coach helps Texas uh, in that recruitment. So, and that's a recruitment. If you, you know, been following our, our Mike Roach at horns 24 seven, that um, has been touch and go and might, might've been trending toward A&M until the word uh, got out that Stan Drayton likely to stay on as running backs coach. So uh, that could be, uh, that could be significant here as we follow the LJ Johnson uh, decision because he's, planning to be an early enrollee. So we're talking about days uh, in terms of, of his decision. And then uh, Holman Wiggins, the currently the Alabama receivers coach, this is going to be interesting to see if he also uh, would make the move with Steve Sarkeesian to Texas. And if Nick Saban is okay with that. And so, um, you know, more clarity on the offensive side than on the defensive side. And clearly, until you know exactly what's going on with your defensive coordinator position, you're not uh, you're not going to be able to probably fill out the rest of that uh, defensive staff because you want the coordinator to have maybe some say in in one or two uh, assistants on that side of the ball. We'll we'll see, but um, we'll as we said, we'll keep you up to date on the on the staffing of Steve Sarkeesian. Um, And before we get too far into this uh, edition of the flagship podcast, we did break the news today about the, the terms, the contract of, of Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, six years, $34.2 million. 
and uh, the starting salary $5.2 million, and then it will escalate $200,000 each year. And, uh, and it's not fully guaranteed. So I think Texas did really well on this, on this contract. And, um, you know, you get a six year deal, 34.2 million. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian was making two and a half million dollars this year at Alabama and got a nice raise, uh, $850,000 raise coming off of last season when he did get head coaching interest from Mississippi state and Colorado, um, and then decided to stay at Alabama. So he's going to double his salary Taylor as he embarks as the uh, head coach at Texas. Yeah. Well, don't you reported it. You were the first to report the contract terms chip. And, uh, you know, since this was, you know, what you had been hearing, um, it is interesting if it's not fully guaranteed because that is not the way that the Texas, contracts for head coaches have really worked um, for as long as I can remember. I mean, I'm trying to think back to Mac Brown. I think his was fully guaranteed. I could be wrong, but you know, um, were you surprised? Was that the most surprising thing? Do you think that to find out that it wasn't fully guaranteed or what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. I mean, I think, look, the, there's been some, you know, jokes on our message board that Texas is doing the Oklahoma thing by hiring a coordinator Texas typically hires the proven head coach. Oklahoma hires the coordinators and, and Oklahoma's coordinators end up going on to, to do really well. And so I didn't think they'd, you know, have to go over the top. And, and I didn't expect uh, Sarkeesian to, to come in making what Tom Herman was making, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think this, was a great deal. I, I thought it would be, you know, somewhere right below 6 million, but 5.2 great. And if it doesn't have to be guaranteed, then fantastic. And obviously um, people have been asking us what's going on. Will the, will there be clauses in the contract that if he relapses, um, you know, with his alcohol addiction or substance abuse addiction, of course, I mean, there's morality clauses in every, coach's contract. Yeah. There's a morality uh, clause in Tom Herman's contract. Right. Exactly. So yes, I mean, there, there will be clauses that if there's, you know, behavior that is detrimental to the university, uh, it would be cause for, you know, breaking the contract, uh, without having to, to pay the, the remainder of, you know, whatever this, uh, buyout is going to be in this contract. But, um, that uh, we wanted to make sure that everybody knows that it's a six year, $34.2 million contract and it is not fully guaranteed. And, um, and Taylor uh, Tom Herman did uh, put out a statement through um, I guess Pete Thamel Mm -hmm. uh, yesterday in, in which uh, Uh, Herman said, I'm extremely thankful for the opportunity to have been the head coach at the University of Texas. It's been a great honor. And as an alumnus, Texas will always hold a special place in my heart. I also want to thank the players that I've been blessed to coach. You have represented the university with dignity and have given your all in an effort to make your program better. And to the coaches and staff who've poured their heart and soul into this program, my appreciation has no bounds. Your efforts have been the backbone of our successes. Finally, my family and I wish nothing but success and happiness to 
Longhorn Nation in the future. And from what I'm hearing, uh, Tom Herman has called some players individually to wish them well and thank them. And uh, he's indicated to them that he plans to to take some time away from coaching uh, and, you know, spend some time with his family. So I don't, I don't see Herman rushing back into coaching for 2021, but who knows? Right. Yeah. You never know what those things, but I mean, you know, he has, I believe an offset type of agreement in his contract at Texas to where if he was, you know, to return um, in a coaching role, then he would, Texas would not be, you know, liable to cover whatever his salary would be at the other university. Um, You know, that was something that Texas struggled with a little bit with uh, Charlie Strong. You know, when they fired him, he gets the job at South Florida and then South Florida basically paid him like $500,000 until he got all of his money at Texas. So, you know, in these situations, I don't necessarily blame Tom Herman for wanting to take a little bit of time away um, because I don't think that he's in a position where he can't afford to take time away because he may, you know, uh, kind of go off in the sunset or something like that in the coaching world. I don't see that being the case. I think that, you know, he's been through a lot at Texas and it's a stressful job. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, it's a very lucrative job if you are the head football coach at the university of Texas, but with all the money that comes with it comes all the pressure and all of the emotion and all of the stress and, you know, um, there's, I think, a reason why there's a lot of divorces in, in the coaching and the coaching business, because it takes so much time away from families. And um, that would be a tough thing. So I think that, you know, it's probably wise of him to pocket his 15 million. And uh, maybe if he feels like getting an analyst job or something on Nick Saban's staff, like seems to be everybody's move after they uh, get fired from coaching, maybe that'll be his forte. I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean, I don't blame him for wanting to take time away. No doubt about that. Yeah. Um, all right. Before we get to uh, our favorite part of the flagship podcast, love it or leave it, we got to give some love to the Texas men's basketball team, number four in the country. And hopefully Texas fans got a chance to see this basketball game against Kansas on Saturday. And the thing that struck me, Taylor, and the thing that strikes me about this basketball team is just the level of confidence that they're playing with right now, because um, obviously it was not a full fog Allen field house with the, with the pandemic restrictions, but they just walked out on the floor. And from the first possession, they were the more confident team. They were the more aggressive team. They were dictating the terms. And, and this is, and I just, I look at Courtney Ramey in this game because I thought this was one of his best games as a Longhorn. And um, he really, to me, embodied the, the confidence and the swag of, of this Texas team. And I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's real. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I look at the way that, uh, that Ramey carries himself, carries this, this team. He was seven of 11 shooting three of five from three Texas. I mean, you couldn't have dreamed up a, a, a score sheet better than what you saw in this, in this win over Kansas. I mean, they, they did it. They beat them on the boards. They beat them, um, you know, from the three point line, their defense was suffocating. They were the team playing above the rim. 
Uh, Kai Jones just continues to impress. Uh, when you put Kai Jones and Greg Brown on the floor together, these guys are, they're just super long and they just make, um, they make it really, really difficult because you've got really good uh, defense on the perimeter with, with Ramey and Matt Coleman and Andrew Jones. And then, you know, they pressure the ball and then you have rim protection behind it with Kai Jones and Greg Brown and Jericho Sims. And this is a team that's starting to realize, you know what? There are not a lot of teams that can put the kind of athleticism and length on the floor that we have. And, and they're starting to believe that they're special. And I know it's early. We're in the first, first wave, the first round of big 12 play. But you go into Fog Allen Fieldhouse and, and win uh, by 25 points, you're doing something right. And, and their only loss this season was very narrow to, uh, to, to Villanova. And this is, this is an exciting Texas basketball team. It's a veteran team. And kudos to Shaka Smart. I've been incredibly critical of him that the job was too big. And, and, look at this team that he's put together. He's got veteran guards, which is what you got to have. And then he's got really um, energetic, athletic players. They're a deep team. They bring in Brock Cunningham and, and Royce Ham, And um, you know, those guys bring energy onto the floor and the players all cheer for each other. They're all, they're all pulling for each other and it's exciting to, to watch. And I, I give Shaka smart credit. Absolutely. He deserves a ton of credit. I mean, this, you know, Shaka has been on the hot seat for the last two full seasons, you know, and going into this year. Um, and Chip, I'm curious. I don't know if you know this off the top of your head. Is this the highest ranked Texas team that um, has played under Shaka since he's been here? It seems yep. like it would be. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's impressive. Like, honestly, he deserves so much credit because you know, I know Texas is not a really, truly a quote unquote basketball school and, you know, the football program definitely trumps everything, but, um, they're not a, you know, some middle or, you know, low end basketball program either. And so there are a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, you know, pressures that come with that type of role, especially when you come from a school like VCU. Um, you know, I think that's something that, people shouldn't overlook here. And the fact that Shaka Smart has been able to really kind of stay focused when he's known that his job is up in the air and he's never really had a ton of security. I mean, when you don't, when you uh, don't make it out of the first game of the NCAA tournament, that's not something that many people at Texas are going to be okay with. And, you know, he kind of just like put in the hard work. And I think that this is where you see it pay off. But at the same time, you know, as you mentioned, I think that having, the team be so together and, you know, being so supportive of one another. If you don't have a fractured locker room at, and this works in football too, you have a better chance of being successful. If there's one or two guys, you know, one player sometimes can be a cancer to a program. I'm not saying that Texas had had that constantly, you know, in the basketball program, but um, you know, I think that that should be acknowledged significantly that this team, how publicly they support each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's fun. It's fun to watch. And, um, this, uh, this group of players is really starting to believe that they can do something special. So 
it's again, it's early in the big, big 12 season and they're talented teams. I mean, Baylor uh, is been a number one ranked team, Kansas, obviously uh, Texas just demolished them. West Virginia has been a top 10 team. So there's a long way to go. And, uh, and you got to keep getting better. I mean, you've got to keep getting better, but if this team keeps getting better, um, they're a tough matchup. They're a really tough matchup because they enjoy playing and they give each other energy. And that's, that's a team you don't want to see. Yeah. Especially if you can go in, as you mentioned, you know, the fog Allen field house and put up a 25 point win. I mean, there's a reason why that hasn't happened before. Like that's just how unheard of it is with the tech, the Kansas basketball program. So um, that should be kind of a glimpse into what this, the potential at least that this team could have um, as they make their way through big 12 play. Yeah. All right. You ready to move on to love it or leave it? Yes. Well, Chip, before we get to everybody's favorite segment, love it or leave it, we're going to take a really short break, but stick around because we will be discussing some more about potential hires on Steve Sarkeesian's staff, um, more about Tom Herman's buyout and all of that. So uh, stay tuned. We will be right back. Chip, you ready? I'm ready. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. So my first, uh, my first uh, topic for you is love it or leave it. Chris Ash ends up as Steve Sarkeesian's defensive coordinator. Yeah, I'm going to love this. Um, I, I, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but Chris Ash to me, uh, the defense trended in the right direction. The players like him. You heard from players like Keandre Coburn um, saying, Hey, keep Chris Ash and, and the defensive staff together. And, and so I think you could do a lot worse than, than Chris Ash as the defensive coordinator. And, um, you know, Will Muschamp was a name that we'd heard, but he's not uh, going to be taking that position. And Barry Odom, uh, the defensive coordinator at Arkansas, is another name, a really talented defensive coordinator, Sounds like he's staying at Arkansas. Then why not keep a, a national championship um, defensive coordinator? Uh, Chris Ash coordinated Ohio State's defense in 2014. He knows what he's doing. And I think the players respond to him and, and would give some continuity mm -hmm. uh, to Steve Sarkeesian in a way that you don't normally get when you have a coaching transition. Right. Usually you're bringing in new systems. The players have to learn all over again, get comfortable. Uh, if you can avoid that and maintain a high level of defense, boom. So I will love that. How about yep. you? I mean, I'm really torn on this because, you know, we have said, we talked about it earlier in the show. We talked about it in our emergency podcast right after Steve Sarkeesian was hired. You know, this is the most important job that he's going to have to fill on his staff. You know, I mean, uh, he's an offensive minded coach. I think people give him the benefit benefit of the doubt to, you know, bring in the right guys on offense, especially if, you know, he's calling the plays and everything, you know what you're going to probably get, but this is such a crucial hire that a part of me wonders if it's taking a risk, if he were to keep Chris Ash, because if Chris Ash, you know, the defense is losing a lot of talent from the 2020 roster. You know, this is not, you know, you have um, 
Chris Brown, Caden Stearns, Joseph Osai. I mean, there's a number of players that will not be returning to that Texas defense. And so, you know, if, if uh, both of your starting safeties are not returning, then what type of risk are you are you putting yourself at in a, a conference that's so pass happy like the Big 12 conferences by not trying to find somebody else? Because I think a new coach, if a new defensive coordinator were to come in, you know, he kind of gives himself a little bit of leeway slash benefit of the doubt, as long as the defense isn't atrocious, you know, something like that. But to keep a coordinator is just so risky, in my opinion, that, you know, I, I definitely think that Chris Ash is worthy of a can is a worthy candidate. You know, we, we talked him up as the defense progress. I mean, he deserves a ton of credit. However, just with Sarkeesian being on the other side of the ball, I, I kind of just think that it would be too much of a risk to not try to get his own guy in there because if Chris Ash doesn't work out, you know, in year one and he fires him, the thing in coaching always is if head coaches start firing coordinators, they're removing the people that you can point the blame at, you know, about if things don't go right. So I think I'm going to have to leave it. But I don't necessarily think that's that's not an indication on Chris Ash. I think it's more of a, you know, it's a risky move for Sarkeesian to not handpick his own defensive coordinator. And who knows, maybe Chris Ash would be somebody that he would handpick, but you know, I just think it's, it's really risky. So I'm going to leave it. I think. Okay. All right. What, what, uh, what's next? All right. So Texas won't have to pay Tom Herman's four full $15 million buyout. Love it or leave it. Um, I'm going to leave this. Uh, we did get this question uh, at horns 24 uh, seven. And I think uh, despite Texas and the, the high-ranking university official telling me that that they had lost faith in Tom Herman, the leader, more so than Tom Herman, the coach, it does sound like Texas is going to pay the full buyout and not try to settle this. And, you know, we, we saw Texas fire athletic director Steve Patterson and, and settle with him. Um, they felt like he had done enough things to be, you know, basically fired for cause. I don't see Texas trying to do that with Tom Herman. So I think they'll end up paying the full $15 million buyout. You mentioned the offset language. If Herman gets another job, whatever he gets paid in that job would be deducted from, uh, from what Texas is paying him, which is 5 million each of the next three years. And, uh, but I do think it'll end up being the full, 15 million. So I agree. I'll, leave, I'll leave that. I agree. I'm going to leave it too. And just, I mean, from a public relations standpoint, from a PR, you know, outside perspective, trying to not pay a coach's buyout, you know, even if the university of Texas had reason to believe that Tom Herman um, was, should be fired for cause, you know, you're, you're opening yourself up to, um, external criticism, a lot of the optics of what what went wrong, like how bad will it look on the University of Texas? Because if it's something, if they were trying to get him for cause for something that had been going on for, you know, his entire time at Texas, then it turns into, well, did you turn a blind eye to it? You, I mean, it's just, you're opening yourself up towards, you know, a potential PR nightmare, unless you have it absolutely, you know, sealed locked information that is entire, you know, fully, fully factual, 
you know, uh, the last thing I think that the Texas Athletic Department wants to get into is a, a lawsuit of any kind, because there have been some, you know, in the past with uh, coaches that had been fired and stuff. So I, I agree. I think it's probably just best to pay him, you know, what he was owed and let him ride off into the substances and into the sunset. So I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. All right. All right. So we got one more. One more. Yes, sir. So my final one for you is love it or leave it. The fourth ranked Texas men's basketball team is changing your mind after the 84 59 win at Kansas. Yeah. How about this? They win 84 59 at Kansas and Greg Brown, the one and done sensation playing above the rim, six, nine power forward who can leap over the backboard had a terrible game. Like he was, this was his worst game as a longhorn. And so when you can, you can do that and arguably your best pro prospect on the team uh, ends up going two of six for five points um, and you win at Kansas by 25. This is a team that's got fire power mm-hmm. and, and Kai Jones. I love Kai Jones. I mean, this guy, he is, he's like plastic man. And he, he just does all the dirty work and, you know, he's only going to get better, but he's, he's incredible rim protection. Um, I just, I love watching him and Brown play. Jericho Sims is getting better. He's playing with more confidence. Sims was five of six in that, in that game against Kansas. And, and I've been critical of their three point shooting, but they were 46% from three and their perimeter defense is so good. I mean, they are really, they just are locking people down from the three point line. Kansas was three of 23 from three point range and Texas leads the big 12 in in three point field goal percentage defense. And again, that's because their guards can pressure because if they get blown by, there's Jericho Sims, Kai Jones, or Greg Brown waiting for them um, to protect the rim. And that, that just gives you so much more confidence as a, as a perimeter defender. So yes, I'm going to love that. I'm going to love that Shaka Smart's team is changing my mind and, and that this is a team now that's starting to show it can play with expectations. And that's, that's a new thing for Texas basketball. No one's expected much from them uh, the last few years because they've been such a disappointment under Shaka Smart. And now they're the number four team in the country. They just waxed Kansas and people are going to expect them to be able to handle every team they face. So this is an exciting time. It's fun to watch young people evolve into a better version of themselves. And I think we're watching that with Texas basketball right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to love it too. And I mean, three of 20, holding, uh, you know, Kansas to three of 23 from three point range. That is something, I mean, I, I can't remember that really being the case under Shaka Smart at Texas and any Kansas team for that matter. I mean, my goodness, they, they always seem to have that firepower offensively too, you know, but I agree. I think that Shaka Smart, the cats, nine lives remain and uh, 
it's going to definitely be fun to watch, you know, and I, I think you brought up a really good point about Greg Brown. I mean, he's he's the the headliner in a sense for this Texas basketball program and for him to have, you know, one of his worst days, you know, finish with five points. Um, that's that's impressive. That shows that this is not just a one man squad. And uh, that's what Texas fans should really be focusing on. So I agree with you. I'm going to love that, too. Well, good stuff, uh, Taylor Estes. And um, we want to thank everybody for listening in to the flagship podcast. Make sure that uh, you're tuning into all the podcasts at Horns 24-7, The Blitz, uh, State of Recruiting with Mike Roach, and, um, and get over to iTunes. Feel free to, to give us a five-star rating and, and a comment. We'll read them on the air. And subscribe and, uh, too, to the iTunes channel. So then the new podcast episodes will be right in your, you know, your device that you have. So definitely make sure to do that. That's right. That's right. Uh, and take advantage of our uh, 50% off annual membership. If you're not a member at horns 24 seven, so that you're getting all the scoop ahead of time, you're the ultimate insider. Um, and until next time, I am Chip Brown for Taylor Estes. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the flagship podcast. Stay safe and keep the faith.